I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is Dr. Todd Cavins. Todd's been involved in many aspects of the greenhouse industry throughout his career, but has always shown a passion for helping growers succeed as an educator and as a technical expert in the field. One of our strengths at Ballseed has always been customizing solutions and offering support specific to your needs as greenhouse professionals within unique businesses. But there are some topics that impact just about everyone, including the proper care and handling of inputs, specifically plugs and liners. And that's Todd's topic for this episode, planning ahead and executing at transplant time, and getting off to a great start by paying close attention to temperature, light, nutrition, water, and gas exchange during this critical time. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four recent news stories lining up to support one key industry topic, or in this case, event. According to show statistics, the number of foreign visitors grew from 36 to 38% in 2018, with more than 70% of attendees having buying power within their companies. In total, more than 54,000 visitors attended the IPM Essen show in Germany, and one-third ordered products for the coming season at the show. That tells you how important the event has become for industry members around the world. It's a leading indicator of trends and inspires greenhouse professionals to think outside the box when it comes to plants, packaging, automation, and so much more. Here are four of the trends that were spotted this year, gleaned from industry trade coverage, and my own discussions with folks who attended. First, Easy Care Houseplants. This trend has been emerging for a couple years now and was in full force on the show floor this year. From succulents to foliage plants, today's shoppers seem to want these plants more than ever, or at least more than in past decades. Recent news articles have talked to young consumers in the U.S. and Europe who are filling their apartments, condos, and flats with greenery, citing creativity, air purification, and the need to nurture living things as reasons for creating their urban rainforests and jungalows. Check out the recent article from the Washington Post linked in the show notes for more on this trend. Next, space-saving vegetables. We know gardens and yards aren't getting larger, and gardening on patios and decks and creating easy-to-maintain smaller garden spaces becomes more popular every year. At the Essence Show, there were many products and solutions geared to such products and the customers buying them. Breeding's keeping up with this trend and using more and more controlled, well-behaved small space varieties of tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, and even eggplants and squashes are coming to market. And the packaging and marketing supporting these messages is evolving too. Sometimes the trick is explaining these new varieties are different and perfect for those smaller spaces, even windowsills and kitchen counters. Third, color trends. It always seems that IPMS is where our industry first sees color trends in action. This year was no different. Subdued grays ruled when it came to pottery and containers, and even ever-popular greens and blues looked more gray than in years past. Seeing these colors in contrast with the bright colors of flowers and plants you grow and sell was exciting. Definitely keep gray and gray tones in mind when buying pots, pottery, gifts, and decor this year. And don't forget the 2018 Pantone Color of the Year, Ultraviolet. It perfectly matches Night Sky Petunia in the Headliner series from Select to One. I'll include some color trends links for you to check out in the show notes, 
because there's definitely a range to work from. Our fourth chip in Connect 4 is Flavatar. Just about everyone I've talked to about this year's IPMS event mentioned the glow-in-the-dark plants from Flavatar. It's like Avatar with an FL for flowers. You'll find the company's website in the show notes. The potted plants are cut flowers treated with a proprietary and 100% bio-based spray emit a beautiful green, light blue, aqua blue, red, or white light for up to 30 minutes when put in a dark place after charging. And you can charge them with sunlight, a lamp, or overhead light, and even your cell phone light. Sure, it sounds kind of weird to us plant people, but I can assure you there's a market out there, and my kids would love it. Now, let's talk about getting off to a great start. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Todd Cavins to STEM. Todd is one of our technical services experts at Ball Seed and has been helping professional growers solve greenhouse production challenges for more than 10 years in the field and before that was a professor at Oklahoma State University. He earned his MS focused on cut flowers and flowering induction and his PhD in plant nutrition and soils, making him a perfect guy to talk about this episode's topic. With more than 15 years experience traveling North America, working with growers of all shapes, sizes, and flavors, Todd's a trusted source when it comes to researching and advising on the real-world problems that affect daily plant production. Today, Todd's here to talk about getting off to a great start through the proper care and handling of young plants like plugs and liners. Todd, welcome to STEM. Hey, thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. So just before we get into proper care and handling, how about talking a little bit about why growers choose these inputs versus seeds and unrooted cuttings? What are the benefits yeah. to buying in young plants? Yeah, there, there's a couple of different benefits, and kind of you can kind of look at it in a few different ways. Um, I, I'll guess I'll take the first stab at it and say, you know what? These first few weeks of getting seeds to germinate and grow or getting roots on an unrooted liner, they're some of the most intensive and challenging uh, aspects of, of, of our greenhouse production. So it's one of the toughest things you can do. Uh, oftentimes to do it well, do it consistently, you need really good uh, environmental controls in your greenhouses or germination chambers. Um, you know, we find the best performance, for instance, for uh, folks who are rooting vegetative liners, if they have a system uh, that operates by vapor pressure deficit to control their moisture. So from from that kind of a technical standpoint, it can be a pretty darn big challenge. Even if you are a, a, a great grower, it, it still may be just something you don't want to take on. Or if you kind of approach it from a different aspect, it may be something that just doesn't fit into your production scenario. You know, maybe you don't have the bench space or the time or um, or maybe it can be better off if you have your cutting, if you have your rooted liners or plugs arrive on a certain day of the week or a certain date, which is some is oftentimes easier done if you order in plugs and, and rooted liners from a third party. So I, I, two aspects, as I said, it can just be a really, really challenging time. And then the other aspect is, you know, you can really program and fine tune your production schedules by ordering and getting your plugs and liners in at a specified time. And also what I'll say is a lot of these folks that we work with at Ball Seed, our plug, our plug network and, and rooting stations, 
They are excellent and they do a great job and they deliver a high quality product and they deliver it on time. So um, it really simplifies life in many ways. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like, you know, planning ahead is so critical. So I guess now that we've established that baseline understanding, let's get into the meat of the topic. How okay. often do you run into issues at greenhouses related to care and handling when plugs and cuttings are received? And what are some of the reasons professional growers might run into these challenges? You know, unfortunately, I see it every spring. And, you know, it's not because, and for most most of the time, it's not because we as growers or as industry are ignorant. It's not that we don't know what we're doing. It's oftentimes we know exactly what to do, but, you know, things happen. Things get in the way. We lose track of time or an emergency comes up. And so things often happen that prevent us from doing what we know needs to be done in a timely manner. So that's one of the big things is, you know, things happen. So, um, you know, and Going back to ordering plugs and liners, they they really help us, uh, you know, get off to a really good start because we've already got a really good product to start with. And things happen. I mean, isn't isn't that the truth? And and it's certainly not an indictment or criticism of growers in any way. Anyone can run into these issues for such a wide range of reasons. So let's go ahead and start at the beginning. I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I certainly know their motto: be prepared. So how important is this step in the process? And, and can you share some best practices for getting ready to receive those young plants? Yeah, I think uh, being prepared, hey, that's where you've got to start, right? Uh, we definitely don't want to uh, have our plugs and liners show up and we don't have any idea what we're going to do with them, don't have a game plan as far as getting them in the containers and things like that. So, um, yeah, in my mind, it's, it's kind of like uh, we've got, as a as a production manager, the head grower, we've got to be kind of the head coach of a team, right? We've got to get everybody in the right mindset. So that's the first thing. Let's get thinking about it. Let's know what our plan of action is. Let's get everybody involved and get them motivated. So getting the mindset right, I think, is is, is the number one thing we can do. And with that, you know, I, I mentioned getting everybody on the same, uh, kind of on the same page here. I'm talking about building the team and getting the team ready. Um, labor is absolutely a major challenge for most greenhouse growers across the nation, across the continent, really, uh, and, and the world. Uh, we see uh, growers from all over the world struggling with getting good quality help. Uh, getting help, period, <laughs> in some instances. So, you know, with that mindset of, hey, we've got spring coming in a couple of weeks, you know, we need to get all these things ready. We've got to get the team arranged. We've got to make sure we have enough team members in place and that they know their jobs and they're ready to perform it. So kind of, you know, we've got, so when we get the team ready to go, well, what's the team going to work on? I really think about getting the facility ready, okay? And that is, you know, you know, First of all, where where and when are we going to receive the plugs? So do we have some place to receive them that's protected from the environment? Is our potting area, or if we're potting up in the head house or, or, or uh, potting shed area, is that organized? Is it clean? Is it sanitized? Is it ready to go? I also want to think about the same thing out in the greenhouse. Is it ready to go? Have I gone and done an inspection? Is my fertilizer injector clicking the way it needs to be? Do I have the right amount of fertilizer on hand? You know, do the right types of fertilizer? Have I tested my water? And do I have those fungicides and things I may need as part of my preventative maintenance program? So we've got to get the facilities ready, uh, you know, be ready to receive the plants. And also don't forget about the, the pots, the containers, and the potting mix as well. So just a lot of things to kind of get everything ready to go so we can hit the ground running when those plants do show up. 
Oh, you mentioned labor, and that is definitely going to be a common theme here on STEM. Uh, you know, we, we talk about labor all the time and certainly related to, to care and handling and receiving these plants. So now that they're sitting on your dock, what happens now? And how fast do these steps need to happen? Because we know, yeah, well, as you said, you know, stuff happens. So no matter how solid your plant is, if you can't get them transplanted right away, is there some, something you can do to hold them safely? Or, or what are the next steps? Yeah, so I think one of the things to do is think about when are they arriving and how are they arriving? Are they coming from a courier service or are they coming from a grower's truck? So know when and where they're going to arrive. Um, you know, one of the things we do at Ball Seed uh, pretty darn well is we have tracking information available. So you can look on your order and find out, uh, you know, when those liner plugs and liners are going to arrive. So know that information. That will help you out and help you with the planning and help hopefully prevent some of those uh-ohs that happen from time to time. But when we get them in, so we know they're coming, as I mentioned earlier, we want to have a space to put them. We want to think about what's happening to that plant while in transportation. And it kind of goes back to some basic science of plants. There's kind of five things that really affect our plant growth. And that's things like temperature, water, the light, uh, the plant's nutrition or fertilizer, you know, fertilizer needs, and then the gas exchange also. And if you think about it, a lot of these plugs may have been put in a box and shipped uh, for several days or put on a truck, a dark, cool truck and shipped for several days. So we've got to think about transitioning them out of this less than ideal environment. We know we can transport them pretty well, but ideally we want to get them into a favorable environment. Now, that doesn't always mean the brightest, warmest spot in the greenhouse immediately. Sometimes that may mean a little bit of a uh, transition, kind of an acclimation to, uh, to the different temperatures. So get them in, receive them, inspect them. You know, do, do they look free of pest and disease? Do they look well hydrated? If not, do I need to hydrate them, you know, uh, immediately after I unpackage them? So do those kinds of things. You know, okay. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. no, no. You know, we, I, it's not probably time now to put in a quick pitch for WebTrack, Ball Seeds online uh, management system, because you can track your shipments, uh, know exactly when they're going to arrive to, at your greenhouse. And I've also yes. heard you talk about how fresh is best. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? That's right. You know, ideally, we'd like to try and eliminate the time from arrival to transplant. And so that's why I say fresh is best, because I don't want to receive plugs, get them in, and wait five or six days to transplant them necessarily. I want to try and do that in a timely manner. Um, just because those plants, those young plants, they are ready to grow, okay? We're, we're restricting their growth in those small cell trays, and they can get root-bound because they're a high density. They can get uh, diseases much easier. So fresh is best. Get them transplanted as soon as possible, you know, um, but I will tell you one of the things I've seen a lot of growers do in the past few years, and I really like this idea. And so I've been spreading the information and recommending it is when you get your plugs and liners in, uh, most of us aren't always ready to transplant, you know, the very minute they come in. So when I put them in kind of that holding area, I like to think about then as in time to do a preventative fungicide. Um, when plants are in those plug flats, they're nice and uh, concentrated, so to speak. So, you know, in a foot and, and one and a half square feet, I may have 500 seedlings in a 512 flat there. I can do a drench application with a low fungicide rate as a preventative, probably get three to four weeks of protection out of that and do that at a fraction of the cost versus 
if I treated them after I transplanted them, say into, you know, larger containers where I had to drag a hose and, a, and an injection bucket all around the greenhouse. So that's a really great time to uh, take advantage of uh, the plants being small and in a confined area. Also, if you're going to hold those plants for a little while, uh, a day or two, and again, don't really want to hold them more than 24 to 48 hours of, or 48 hours if possible, think about fertilization. Um, you know, plants need nutrition. And while we wouldn't want to give them a lot of nutrition if we have to hold them more than a couple of days, they still need some nutrition. So uh, don't hesitate to give them a very light feeding, say something like 100 parts per million while you're holding them in the greenhouse. Now, that makes a lot of sense. A little bit of fungicide, a little bit of feed while you're holding them. And then again, paying attention to those five aspects you mentioned, the temperature, the light, nutrition, water, gas exchange. So now that they're in your greenhouse and you've held them maybe for a day, but you're ready to transplant them, what now? This seems like it would be the most important stage in the game. So how can growers get these little guys off to the best start possible? Yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple of things here. Uh, before we start that transplanting process itself, let's think about what the plant's requirements are. For instance, let's say I've got both impatiens and I've got vegetative petunias that came in on the same shipment. The impatiens is a low light crop that needs just as you know a light to moderate amount of feed. Where my vegetative petunia is a real heavy feeding crop. It's a heavy feeding crop that's very aggressive and it needs high amount of light. Ideally, if I can, I don't want to put those right next to each other on the same greenhouse bench. Now, you may say, whoa, Todd, you know, hey, I, I don't have a, a lot of greenhouses. I just have one or two to choose from. That's okay. Still think about within that individual greenhouse, there are going to be variations in temperature and light and probably how fast things dry out. For instance, if it's near a fan or a door, it's probably going to dry out a little bit more. So think about that. What are the plant's needs? Let's group plants with similar needs together as far as temperature, light, and nutrition. And then let's, let's get them together in the greenhouse. And then let's um, take uh, our production plan, so to speak, of when we're going to pot up, transplant, and use that as a guide to help us uh, gain more efficiency in our whole process and make the plants happier as well. Makes a lot of sense. I think group, grouping plants is a fantastic takeaway. Uh, if, if, if you get nothing else from this podcast, grouping the plants when they come in, after you transplant them, it's going to save you a lot of headaches. Yeah. So let's talk about actually getting that plug out of the plug tray or liner out of the, the tray and getting it into the new container. One of the things I encourage people to do is to use some type of dislodger. It can be as simple as a the back end of, uh, you know, the eraser of a pencil uh, if you're just doing a small amount. Um, if you are doing, you know, quite a few flats, you may want to think about building a little, um, uh, dowel board, you know, where you trace out where a dowel rods need to be and, uh, cut about some one inch dowel sections where you can just put your plug tray over that and dislodge plugs. And that way it gently pushes them up from the bottom and you're not ripping the stem out of the root ball. So you could think about that. Now, if you have a little bit larger operation, um, there are definitely some products that are available for purchase out there, dislodgers. Uh, one of the things that I've seen that I really like is the plug popper. Um, it you know, it kind of has its own freestanding uh, uh, steel um, 
table and you put your plug tray on there, step on a pedal and pop. All the plugs pop right out of the cells, uh, nice and easy. It takes just a few seconds to dislodge all of the all of the plugs out of a cell, out of a tray. So that's really handy. Um, I, you know, also with we mentioned labor is becoming an issue, and I've seen, I guess you might say, smaller and smaller operations still starting to go to automation. So um, TTA uh, company has a new plug transplanter out there on the market that's really ideal for the small to medium grower. And that machine does an excellent job of safely removing the plugs and transplanting them just to the right depth. So, uh, you know, that may be something that I didn't realize is so is within reach of a lot of budgets uh, for the small to medium grower. So check that out as well. Um, I, I guess kind of a different aspect that might fit in between those two scenarios of the plug popper or the automated TTA transplanter is one that uh, ball sells, and that's the punch and grow system. And um, it's again, it's one of those. It's it's different because we don't push the plugs up from the bottom. But this is a machine with very unique plungers, and it's pretty darn flexible. And uh, as far as the tray. Um, what trays it'll take and things like that. But it uses a press mechanism and plungers to actually push the plugs all the way through the bottom of a special tray and then transplant them. So that's another opportunity I I'd encourage people to look at because what I've found is we get more automated, no matter how we can do that, is automation not only saves us on labor, but it tends to be very uniform. And that gives us a great start <clears throat> out in the greenhouse when everything's planted to the nice, the, to the, to a uniform depth in the container. And so I would mention that as well. If you're doing product by hand or you have a crew that's doing product by hand, make sure that when they transplant that plug into the potting soil, one, that the potting soil is appropriate moisture. So it should be a little bit moist because we don't want to go into a very dry potting soil and we should get that plug planted to the level of the soil on the plug itself. So we don't want to go too deep where we get a lot of, of the new fresh soil up on the stem. And we don't want any of that existing root ball to be exposed as well. So planting depth is quite important there. So right. With, I mean, labor is definitely an issue. It's not, it's not going away. I think that, um, you know, there's so many different systems and uh, machines out there to take a look at that are going to increase your efficiency and also probably result in a, in, a, in a better crop. So we know that young plants also are probably going to need a boost at transplant or maybe just the opposite. Do you have any tips for feeding, fertilizing, fungicides, any PGR use in these early stages? Sure. So let's talk about once we get that plug in the, in the, in the new pot, in the new container with the fresh soil. I, I am really a big fan of irrigating thoroughly so that I get good contact between the root ball and the new fresh soil and the moisture. And I'm also a big fan of putting a light amount of fertilizer in that first irrigation. Uh, I know historically a lot of people have said, no, you can't feed the young plants. You'll burn the roots. Well, if you go with very high rates of fertilizer, that might be true. But I'm talking about a low fertilizer rate, somewhere between 100 and 150 parts per million. That first initial irrigation and wetting that in can be, you can really see a tremendous amount of growth early if we water them in with feed. And the reason that's so important early is because we want to get those roots to the edge. We want to get those leaves expanded early. That's, this is a very sensitive time, you know, because we have so much moisture in the potting soil. So we want to get that plant actively growing as fast as we can. 
Now, if we need to manage growth a little bit, uh, yeah, we can do that. But I definitely want to get the plant started first. So I want to see roots to the edge of the container, and I want to see leaf expansion really before I am starting to get concerned with controlling the growth. And so I might use those two indicators, uh, the roots to the edge and the leaves starting to expand, where they actually might start to reach out and be towards the edge of a cell, say of like an 1801. That that area or those two indicators would be where I would start considering my plant growth regulator application if necessary on a crop. Makes a lot of sense. So hopefully at this point, these young plants are primed, they're ready to grow into a stunning saleable crop. Do you have any final advice for growers as they get started with plugs and cuttings? Well, you know, on this point right here, if you didn't like, if you don't like the idea of doing the fungicide early in the plug tray before transplanting, or it just doesn't work with your timing, I really encourage folks to do a, an early preventative fungicide. It just, I know it can be a little time consuming, it can be a little costly, but it's a great insurance policy versus a crop that's dead and dying because of root rot. So think about that. Think of it as insurance on plant, on uh, that initial fungicide application. And be sure and read and follow all your fungicide labels because there are some that just don't work for certain crops. So be sure you read the label and make sure you're not applying that. The other thing I think, Let's talk about some of the other basic things in the greenhouse. I mentioned fertilizer. You know, I'm really a big fan of choosing your fertilizer based on your water quality. So if you haven't tested your water quality recently, have it tested. And get, and if you don't understand what fertilizer needs to be based on certain water qualities, go ahead and ask somebody. We'd be happy to help out at Ball Seed about matching your fertilizer to your water quality. So we want to get that matched up early and be applying the correct one so we don't have problems with, say, uh, soil pH or soil EC problems later on. So get some basic things like the, like the water tested. I would also say, you know, we mentioned earlier, and don't don't forget about this, is making sure that greenhouse is clean and free of debris. If you have any leftover debris in your greenhouse, that's going to carry over both pest and disease. You know, one of the things I see from time to time is folks that may have not had the greenhouse shut up too well in the wintertime. They had some leaves blow in. Spider mites love to overwinter and, and leaf debris on the ground. So make sure that greenhouse is clean. Uh, yeah, I think starting a few weeks ahead, taking a look at taking a look at your equipment, making sure that you know all the maintenance is done, greenhouse is cleaned up. I mean, that's really going to get get you started strong. Absolutely, I think those are great tips. So thanks so much for all this great information, Todd. You know, we we, we have growers listening who finished a million plants in their career. We probably have growers listening that are just getting started. I think everyone can benefit from these new tips and tricks at the most critical stage of the game. And for new growers, the importance of starting strong can't be overstated. I'll mention that Ball has fantastic technical services resources available by phone at 800-879-BALL. You can call any day of the week. We have uh, folks on on staff who can answer questions by phone. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit about that, Todd. And if any listeners want to get in touch with you, with any specific questions specific to their operation, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with me is really through email, and that's tcavins at ballhort.com. That's T-C-A-V as in Victor, I-N-S at ballhort.com. Um, that's the best way to get with, in touch with me. You can also reach me through that, one, that hotline you just mentioned. That hotline is often manned by uh, – 
Chuck Otto in our West Chicago headquarters, and he can answer tons of questions for you. But if he's not available, they'll forward the call on to myself or Dr. Healy, and we'd be happy to help out. Excellent. And that's available to Ball Seed customers, Ball Colorlink customers, any of the growers we work with. So thank you so much, Todd. And to STEM listeners, now you know the importance of getting off to a great start. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com. Or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics and more. And check out the show notes for links to even more content related to this episode, including a presentation by Dr. Todd Cavins that can be shared with your team. Let's end this episode with a quote about the importance of preparation from President Abraham Lincoln. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax.